welcome to Watch the Thoreau. What a lovely day. This is episode 36, Snow White and the Huntsman, from 2012. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski, and with us again, he was back on the Burning Plane episode, which we talked about last night for some reason. Why do we talk about that when we're recording Cinemakers? Oh, I, I, I have no... I cannot don't know. remember. I don't it's know in why. one ear, out <laughs> in one mouth, out one brain, I guess. <laughs> we mentioned it last night. He's back again. Hello, Jeremy Kelly. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Good. So you are here... Because the last time you were here is because you really like Jennifer Lawrence. Tonight, you are here because you really like Kristen Stewart. And I will defend her any day against any hater that tries to badmouth her. <laughs> you're, I think you're amongst friends here. Because yes. I'm a huge <laughs> fan of Personal Shopper, as I know Joey is. Yeah, I haven't seen much Personal of her Shopper. other work, aside from Panic Room, when she was young. But, but you're amongst friends here. <laughs> <laughs> But this is of particular note, not because it's a Charlize movie, but because this is the movie in which she had an affair with the director and Robert Pattinson left her because of it. Oh, really? Yeah. That's crazy. I thought it was I thought she broke up with him for like uh, a girlfriend or something. I didn't know she ever had an no, affair with No, like, yeah, a this was That's this like movie. sort of like a Miljovovichy kind of thing where <laughs> she's married like two of her directors. That's that's crazy. And so yeah. this guy this guy was a first-time director. They had an affair on set and Robert Pattinson left her because of it and then they were going to do a sequel to this movie which they wound up making and she just, she chose not to be in it because of the drama from this movie. So I don't know how Charlize is in the sequel. We'll find out that when we get to that in a <laughs> handful of movies because she definitely dies here at the end. It's kind of both a prequel and a sequel in a okay. way. And, and oh. It's kind of a messy one. Okay, that's good to know, I guess. Um, <laughs> this movie was dr- hashtag drama-filled because of that very reason. My basic gist of this is that a lot of what Kristen Stewart and Chris Hemsworth do are pretty okay. Everything Charlize Theron does is incredible, and everything else is kind of not very good. I've actually seen this before. I, like, straight up rented it because I thought it looked kind of cool. It's funny, Joey, we mentioned on our upcoming Nolan Batman episodes how, like, that sort of changed the face of cinema by everything needing to be dark and gritty and stuff. And, like, here, it's interesting. Like, we do get a dark and gritty sort of Snow White telling, but it's almost like a return to form because it's from, like, grim fairy tales, which were sort of dark and gritty to begin with. So it's kind of interesting how that came full circle with this. But as I recall, there were several fairy tale films out on the market at this time but I'm with you like I thought it was fine I think it's like pretty cool at times I think Charlize is amazing I really like the production design I think like there's one moment especially when she's with the dwarves where she meets like the um, spirit of the forest it reminds me of like a Miyazaki movie I think that was fantastic so all in all I thought it was it was pretty good but yes definitely Charlize for me sticks out she's amazing she goes full tilt so Jeremy what do you think of this movie both as a Charlize movie and as a movie in general and also I guess that's a Kristen Stewart movie I saw this in the in the theater and it is a very uh, entertaining movie with a lot of great set pieces as far as uh, Charlize goes she is uh, very very good in this but it's a little bit uneven because uh, offset uh, on uh, some of her uh, great creepy moments uh, I think there are too many times where she suddenly screams at, at the top of her lungs and it's it's kind of awkward at times I hear you I, I kind of liked it <laughs> from time to time like at first I thought it was like it jarring I was like okay uh, but then she kept doing it and so I, I took it as sort of like this character has no 
patience and a very quick temper. But yeah, no, but I, but I, I hear you though. I hear you. What about uh, Kristen Stewart in this? Because I think that was a really interesting choice for Snow White. It's a very different kind of role for Kristen Stewart. Aside from the uh, Twilight movies, uh, she mostly does um, independent work. So uh, this is like the only other movie that I can think of that, that has like a really big budget, big production design like this. That's interesting to hear, yeah. right? Because I would think because of Twilight, her demographic would be sort of skewed a, a little younger, or at least like half of her demographic would be this this sort of crowd. And I, I would, yeah, it's kind of strange that she isn't sort of in these giant blockbuster young adult films all that often at all. As far as how she is, uh, she's very likable in this, uh, especially uh, later on, and she has to sort of uh, rally the uh, troops at the end. You mentioned how uh, uh, this was during like kind of a a rebirth of, of fairy tales, but with more of an adult age. I think this came out just a couple of years after uh, Tim Burton's uh, Alice in Wonderland. Oh, yeah. That thing was like 09-ish, maybe? 2010-ish? I think it was 10. Yeah. And, and I read how uh, this was a, a screenplay that was written like almost 10 years before, and I guess um, the Brothers Grimm, uh, Terry Gilliam, uh, didn't do well, which uh, you know uh, kind of like steered buyers away from fairy tale at the moment but then uh, when Tim Burton's Wonderland made over a billion dollars that's when I started to get a little more attention because I messaged you guys today I thought I had seen this movie but then I realized what I thought I had actually seen was Hansel and Gretel which again is another one of those like (laughs) gritty reboots of like a fairy tale Jeremy you were like oh maybe you saw Mirror Mirror which is another you know Snow White reboot not is is that as gritty or is that sort of is that different I think that's a lighter movie I haven't actually seen that but I know it came out the same year I actually kind of like the Hansel and Gretel witch hunter movie I thought that was kind of campy it actually turned out to be kind of (laughs) fun another thing about this movie is that you can definitely uh, spot the influences of fantasy adventure movies like uh, Lord of the Rings and and Harry Potter that were extremely popular at the time you know with the whole like chosen one arc and having to to overthrow the evil ruler or or, you know uh, something like that I was definitely getting Lord of the Rings vibes I was kind of surprised they threw the whole chosen one thing in there at the end at least saying it out loud I kind of got the idea with with the blood or she had like the um what was the blood called it was like she had some kind i knew that she was the only one that could do it but that was kind of interesting and they just like just in case you didn't know she's the one um, <laughs> oh yeah i was like oh a real like neo keanu thing right here yes yes exactly uh, what i actually just also realized is that you know confusing hansel and gretel with this is funny in that they both star avengers so there we go <laughs> yeah. he's basically Thor without, like, he's Thor from, like, the Dark World, like, when his mom died, because yeah. this is his wife's dead. So, like, he doesn't yeah. quite have the sense of humor in it, but, yeah, I think Hemsworth is very serviceable. Like, he's he's good. I think they could have gotten someone to really kill this role, but I don't know who. I feel like, though, he was just sort of, like, a hot action star at the time, or becoming one maybe so yeah. like was uh, Thor out uh, at the time he was cast or yeah the first Thor came out before this because another movie like Cabin in the Woods was shot in like 08 or 09 and that was on the shelf for like a couple years and yeah. that came out the same year as this movie because he had become a star and they were like oh we can like get an actual push for this movie now that people know who's in it the first Thor I think was like 2009 uh, 2011 2011 okay 2011. so he had been Thor the first Thor was 2011 so he had been he was a known quantity at this point. What's 
interesting to me, and I want to see if there were any other... The casting, I usually do this at the end, but the casting, the alternate casting for this was sort of interesting to me. Just the uh, the dwarf, I can't wait till we talk about that, oh. because there's only two I didn't recognize, but I couldn't believe, I had no idea, I did not remember. Yeah, and... <laughs> the cast list of the dwarfs alone. Warwick Davis got real angry about this movie because he, um, he basically equated it to like putting or people putting on blackface to do like you know that kind of role yeah. because Ian McShane as a dwarf Nick Frost as a dwarf Bob that Hoskins. other guy that I've seen in every movie as a dwarf like it's just like not like but, dwarf in like the diminutive yeah, little I think person but like actual literal thing. dwarf in the world of magic right they're more like Gimli you know from that's what I was saying they're more like hobbits because I, I I hear where Warwick Davis is coming from. Like I think Willow is a delight. Don't get me wrong or anything. But I feel like they're going for something different here. This is a, an effects film, and and they're not dwarfs. They're dwarves, right? So like it's a fantasy thing. There's like a little difference, and they're magical creatures. I don't know. I understand, and I hear what he's saying. And it would have been at least nice maybe if he was one of those characters. Yeah. Like that mm. could have been cool to maybe mix it up a little bit. Because I looked at the cast list, and I was like, oh, Ian McShane, oh, Nick Frost. And then I was, like, not really paying attention to the dwarves, because they are they sort of feel like a side character when they first show up, in a way. I almost sort of assumed that they were going to go away, and then I'm like, oh, wait, that's Ian McShane. Like, wait, what is going on here? Like, it's just, like, this crazy, I don't, like, it's just a strange decision here. But, you know, once I realized that, like, no, they're going to stick around, they're going to be important to the plot, then I was like, oh, I know most of these guys. Yeah, I think they just, because of, they're so tied to Snow White. Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, you know, like, they have to be here in some capacity, and they have to take up a majority of time in the second act, too, at some degree. Especially if she's not going to be, like, cooking and cleaning for them, thank goodness. (laughs) You know, like, in in the Disney thing, she's just their maid. Like, it's nice here that, basically, like, she leads them at some point, right? Like, she's gonna pick up like a sword and shield and armor and ride out into battle and like they're gonna listen to her and like do what she says and stuff so it's kind of a nice twist on all that oh yeah and i just realized how dumb i sound like oh no the dwarves and snow white aren't gonna matter like of course they are like that's the whole plot like this movie is so intent on subverting the snow white mythology that it didn't feel like Snow White. You know what I mean? Like, it feels mm-hmm. like Snow yeah. White in just a fantasy world, kind of. Even though it is her story, there is the queen, there is the apple, there are the dwarves, there are the animals. It doesn't feel like her movie, which I guess is a compliment, probably? Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying, because there's definitely a time where they, like, have to wedge in stuff, and it feels a little awkward, like the apple. You know, like, the apple, her biting an apple is so iconic, and, like, she falls into the deep sleep and everything like that, and in this movie, it kind of felt, like, unnecessary, you know? Like, yeah. why even have that scene? Oh, because it it's because a Snow, it's White Snow White story. Yeah, so that that was kind of weird, but I, I would just love one day to get a Snow White story with her sister Rose Red, too. <laughs> like, at least they had sort of a little, like, Easter egg in the opening when her mom pricks her finger on the rose and stuff, because that's, like, how I first knew of Snow White as like a little kid. I watched like this um, Grimm's fairy tale thing on Nickelodeon, and so I knew like Rose Red and Snow White were sisters and stuff. And she's yet to appear, so it could have been cool, you know, talking about subverting expectations in a Snow White story if like she went out and found like her long lost sister or something in one yeah. of these gritty reboots. I also want to point out that it's actually uh, eight dwarves in this movie. Oh! There's the one that dies. Oh right, yeah, sort of like yeah. the um, the redhead, the youngest one. But they don't play, like they don't have the same names, like they're not like adjectives, no. it's like Nyan and... Um, yeah, that's a big, yeah. Di- that's a big thing that like Disney Beef. has just 
Disney's reach is just they have blanketed the history of fairy tales now they've just <laughs> sort of you know like every, everyone just thinks of their versions and it's just so strange how that is like because now like there is no doc sleepy grumpy dopey whatever and stuff and it's kind of ridiculous to think that that's how it ever originated <laughs> or anything but but yeah I, I don't know it's that's a little tricky like to readjust it or like to try and think of them in other names with other terms because I was kind of looking at him going like which one's the angry one which yeah. one's the dumb one and so forth oh so okay so here are the other actors who were considered to play the different roles so the huntsman Eric who's I don't I don't think his name is actually mentioned in the film Eric who's played by Chris Hemsworth Thor was considered a uh, Johnny Depp which I guess would have carried over like Jeremy was saying some of that like Alice in Wonderland type magic, maybe, potentially. Michael Fassbender, who we just talked about last week on the Prometheus episode. Cool. And a special note for what we're doing over on Cinemakers, Tom Hardy. Oh, I could Mm. see that. I would like to see Fassbender with like a beard and long hair. I don't know if I've ever seen that look on him, but yeah, and Tom Hardy would be great. He's, he would be, I think that, I think that's a guy who could have really maybe added a little more something to this, maybe a twist in the voice or something with his, I don't know, humor. That's interesting. Then for the role of Snow White, get ready for a laundry list of cute young actresses that have been on movies that we love and that I've had a crush on about half of them. We've got <laughs> Dakota Fanning, who we talked about on Trapped, right? Yes, that's right. Oh, yeah, she was on Trapped, yeah. Saoirse Ronan, Saoirse like inertia. <laughs> Riley Keough, one of your favorites from one of your favorite movies, Alicia Vikander. Oh, nice. I could see that. Was considered. Bella Heathcote from our favorite uh, Neon Demon. Oh, okay. I- any of those demon girls. Selena Gomez from our favorite, from my favorite, Spring Breakers. Emily Browning, who had already played Sleeping Beauty. Oh, that would have been interesting. Just have her play, you know, Rapunzel next. Lily Collins, who we've talked about recently for some, oh. for, for some other reason. She yeah. was she would go on to play uh, in Mirror Mirror. She would play Snow White in that other Snow White movie from the same year. Oh, interesting. Oh, she was... What was she? Oh, she, I think, was... She auditioned to play in Gangster Squad. I think she was going to be the Emma Stone role. Oh, Because we talked about her as period appropriate, because I remember bringing up Rules Don't Apply. That's what it is. That movie that she starred in. I was going to make the comparison to Cinderella, but no, that's uh, Lily James. Yeah, the other Lily. That's Lily James is one from Baby Driver, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and um, (laughs) Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Oh, yes. She's good in that. (laughs) And then the other one that they auditioned or was considered was Felicity Jones, I think, from uh, oh. Theory of Everything, right? So, and also from Rogue One. Yeah. Oh, you're yeah. right, Jyn Erso. That's there's my that's my major crush. Right? Yeah. So a lot a lot of like British actresses, a lot of young actresses, a lot of very not I don't like clean is the wrong word, but like very pure sort of. And then you also have Riley Keough, who you know plays a stripper or a hooker or whatever kind of crazy thing she plays in Magic Mike. But they all sort of kind of have an edge to them. Even Kristen Stewart has, yeah. like, this thing to her where, like, she's not so innocent, it seems. Like, she's got a fight in her. I mean, even in... I've only seen the first Twilight movie, but, I mean, you can't have a lot of fear if you're going to walk into the den of vampires. I don't care how pretty they are. You know what I'm saying? Like, it takes a lot of guts to do something to date a vampire, just straight up. So, like, I think that's a quality about her that's like really interesting and sort of I don't know it kind of keeps you interested in her and I think for Snow White that's something I never considered Uh, I just 
always thought of her as a damsel, you know, so it was just really nice to see someone who's like proactive. Like first she's trying to save her own life by escaping the castle. Yeah. And then there's like my favorite part where she's in the evil dead forest. <laughs> like she gets like hallucinating and like it comes alive. Uh, yep. She like fights through that. And then like even with Hemsworth, like he helps her out from time to time and, and everything. And I, I, you know, she doesn't know exactly what to do and where to go all the time. But like once she gets like her self together at the end, like she's leading the charge, like back yeah. to the castle and stuff. So like I could buy, I bought her definitely as like an action star, which is crazy. And as Chris Hemsworth says, you look good in mail. But that's also like double entendre, right? Or like double speak because you look good in mail, like you look good in the male role here, like as the leader, as like a oh. role. I, that's what I was thinking at the time. I was like, I don't know if they know like they did that, Maybe. but that's that's kind of cool. Interesting. I've always uh, liked this sort of uh, raw instinctualness because uh, um, I don't know if you've ever seen her as uh, Joan Jett in the uh, Runaways. Yes. Uh, oh, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's fantastic in that. I was uh, really impressed with her in uh, Welcome to the Rileys, uh, where she uh, stars opposite uh, James Gandolfini. I think that's uh, oh. one of her best roles. I never had heard of that. So. Oh, I only know that out. because I remember on one of the year-end list notes that Jeremy posted on Facebook, that was very high up there, if not number one. And I was like, I still don't, I still don't think I've seen that movie, but I know that she was in that. I know that you loved her in that movie. Movie, so yeah. I still need to check that out. Yeah, there's just always something really genuine about her. Definitely. And the casting for the woman we are here to talk about for Charlize Theron for the, the role of Queen Ravenna considered Angelina Jolie, which I think would have been good, but she went on to play Maleficent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also, surprisingly, I messages to, to you and Kara earlier, Mike, Winona Ryder considered to play Ravenna. Yeah, that's kind of strange. I could have seen her as like the queen, Snow White's mom, because she kind of has that Snow White quality. Well, I mean, she's a pale, she's like pretty pale with black hair. So it's like, yeah. she looks, she just has like the look, but everything. But that, I don't, I don't know if I could have seen her as the evil queen. Not that I can't see her getting like all pissed off and all that kind of thing and like taking over or anything. It's just, there's something that Charlize, there's some quality Charlize has uh, yeah. in this that like really, I feel like she owns this role. Like I was saying about the Hemsworth thing, how someone could really own that part. I feel like only Charlize could have done this in this movie. I think it's it's great. And Charlize dropped out of J. Edgar to be in this movie, which is still a movie Ooh. that I have not seen where Leo as J. Edgar, another Cinemaker's Christopher Nolan connection now that we're in the Leo phase of Christopher Nolan's career. Yeah. But I think she probably made the right choice. Like, I don't think this is necessarily even like a good movie. I think it can be fun. But I think that her in this role is great. And we're able to see her uncork in ways that we really haven't seen too much of. I kind of got in weird ways... And I think you were saying it earlier, Mike, with with the campy vibes, kind of like Eddie Redmayne vibes from Jupiter Ascending, where uh-huh. like he's like she knows <laughs> yeah, exactly what I movie she's in, right. he knows exactly what movie he's in. We're not gonna hold anything back. Like we're just gonna go nuts and like just scream. Like when we get to the awards later in this episode, there's at least one freak out where I was like, oh no, this is absolutely going. <laughs> getting nominated because it is incredible. Yeah, she really brings the intensity. That's what I have to say about it. Like, you know, when I think of Evil Queen in this day and age, like, it's she's got to really go far and out there to be scary. And there's moments in this movie where she, her character is 
genuinely scary, like frightening, like out of another type of horror movie too, maybe, or it could fit in some other type of thing. And it's intense. I, I, I really like it. And I like, you know, how she goes back from being young to being old. I think the the effects in this movie with her are, are incredible. I love how she like turns into a bunch of crows and she has like all these different powers and yep. stuff and, you know, her milk bath and mm-hmm. her oil slick sort of form at the end like it's all just really sort of creative and outside of the box of what I ever would have considered to do with the with the queen I just think it's just really um yeah it's just really it's just pretty original the milk bath is weird in that it's not original at all I don't know if either of you watch Game of Thrones but one of the very first scenes in the first episode Daenerys Targaryen who later goes on Uh to be one of the most important oh, yeah. characters Michael in the series. Yeah. Khaleesi, just like Charlize does in this movie, gets naked in front of her brother and walks into a bath. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> like, the same exact thing, where it's it's not a rejuvenating bath, it's like a ceremonial, let's cleanse her bath or whatever, but that's right, still at the same time, like, undressing in front of a brother, it's just like, and royalty, it's just weird. It's weird. That's. I think that's, yeah, it's a royal kink. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember seeing this so with my uh, best friend, and during that sequence, we were both kind of looking at each other. It's like, what the heck is that all about? Like, we always felt like that there was something really weird about their relationship. But, of note, and not really about the relationship, Mike, this is yet another bathtub that Charlize has been in. This is at least oh. three, if not four. I know. That that came up on a Siberia episode yes. when uh-huh. Keanu was in a bath club. What is this rated? Because I didn't check and I PG-13. watched... An, PG-13. Okay, because I watched an extended cut, and yeah, so, so I. I started wondering if what that was rated, because they show the king get stabbed in the heart in that, like graphically yeah. stabbed in the heart. I just feel like, other, even other than that, there's some pretty extreme imagery going on here that like would be really scary for young kids who think they're just going to see like oh like I said earlier that just no Disney Snow White like this needs to be screened ahead of time for children yeah this ain't your daddy's Snow White basically I think with PG-13 and I also don't know how the MPA really does it but I think like if you don't show a lot of blood you can get away with it like you can show people getting mm. stabbed like Charlize gets stabbed here but the knife comes out clean they stab that one kid and he like a little blood comes up, but he doesn't, like, gush blood. Like, it's the right. same thing, like, on, like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, they can show people, like, getting shot all day on a TV-14 mm-hmm. show as long as, like, they don't show blood. Like, it's just this weird quirk, like, oh, violence is okay as long as we don't show, like, real-world effects of it. Mm-hmm. You brought up uh, Nolan's uh, Batman trilogy and how yep. throughout all those movies, there are tons of violence, tons of uh, people getting shot, but there's, like, no blood, so they were yeah. able to make it, make it right. all PG-13. Yeah. yeah. It's a great, so they work around. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, that's just that's just what where we're at as a society, so that's super, super cool. Just a few other things about trivia while I'm just down here in my notes. Charlize tore a stomach muscle while shooting a scene that required her to scream. So she's uh, definitely dedicated to her craft. And she said that the hardest thing about this role was having to wear the dress she wore when she got married because it was so heavy and so cumbersome. And the corset was so incredibly uncomfortable that she was almost like hunched over by the time she got to the altar. So like, you know, she is giving it her all in a scene that like is kind of short and you know, meaningful mm-hmm. to the plot, but, like, not necessarily like, meaningful to the movie. Like, it's just like, oh, it's the wedding scene or whatever. But yeah. apparently, in real life, that was a real uh, difficult scene to shoot. I like how her color was gold and Snow White's was sort of, like, platinum. It was really cool. And then at the end, I guess Charlize 
her color becomes black and stuff uh, but oh. that wedding was like uh, incredible I was like wow like we're gonna see this whole ceremony because the production value is just outstanding like this is like incredible and then nope it's just like the they're walking down the aisle Th- did you notice who young Snow White was played by by any chance I, I know her from one movie no who is that if i'm not mistaken she's the little girl from tomorrowland oh, oh from okay yeah, okay she's really cool in that too so i remember when this movie came out there was like a quote-unquote joke or whatever which i also thought when this movie was like when charlie's is like who's the fairest of them all and the the, mm-hmm. and the, the yep. mirror is like oh there's somebody else it's kristen stewart it's like okay like i get that kristen stewart's pretty but like <laughs> come on and so i said that to a friend of the show melissa lineman also to joe too and they're both like oh no like we choose kristen stewart and i was like wait what is happening Whoa. here <laughs> and like joe had a weird twist where he's like charlie's is too beautiful that she's like unattainable <laughs> that kristen stewart seems more like he's like he describes her as kristen stewart is the kind of girl that you would see outside at a punk club smoking a cigarette and feel like you have a chance with. Like, Charlize is like this statuesque beauty that you couldn't. But Melissa was like, mm-hmm. Melissa hates Kristen Stewart, but thinks that like she's super pretty and prettier than Charlize. I was like, what is happening? I don't, like, that blew me away. I think they were going for, I mean, like you brought up earlier, the whole like purity, chastity, wife, fairness, and beauty. The curse or the, not a curse, but whatever she had, like, what what do they call it? The fairest of the fairest blood or whatever. They had some term for it, but like so, Charlie's uh-huh. mom like puts like not a curse, but like a spell on her, and is like the fairest of them all curse. And then she's like, but only someone born of fairest blood can undo that. And so for me, it wasn't necessarily a looks thing. It was more from like an inside, like you're saying, yeah. a virginal sort of purity, sort of yeah, like Charlie's is had her time like she's been i don't know she's got to be like 200 years old at this point or something extreme so yeah i took it that way because i was also sitting there going like come on mirror like <laughs> don't be lying like, what's up with you so a couple of things i just looked up the girl who plays young snow white you are right she is from tomorrowland uh the same year this came out her name is raffi cassidy which is a cool name wow. uh, the same year this came out she also played young angelique in dark shadows and Angelique, a uh, grown-up version, was played by Ava Green, who I think is yeah. also got that Kristen Stewart thing going on a little bit. Uh, so that's interesting that this girl the same year played young versions of both of them. But the more surprising thing, which I did not realize, not only was she in Tomorrowland, but she's also the daughter in The Killing of a Sacred Deer. And she, oh, she's wow. the one who sings that song. She grew up. Yeah. Like, she got tall and everything. I did not recognize her in that movie. She's great in that. Everyone, that movie's great. Check that out. If you, I don't, I can't say if you like this, check that out, but. <laughs> no, this no. and Killing of Sacred Deer have nothing in common. They're, they're, they're both, like, kind of weird, but that one is, like, super weird. But, yeah, she's the one in the trailer who sings that Ellie Goulding song, like, the entire time. But, yeah, she's been in a bunch of stuff. She's also an ally that uh, Brad Pitt, Marion Cotillard movie that people thought that they were having an affair on, so. She's been in a lot of things. I just I sort of assumed that she was just an actress for this movie that went away, but no, she's getting work, so that's good for her. Good for you, Raffi. You know who we haven't even mentioned yet? The uh, guy who played the uh, who played Prince William, Finnick O'Dare himself, Sam Claffin. Oh, well, so Finnick O'Dare from Hunger Games, for, uh, go check out P.S. Love Hoffman. I still think Finnick should have been Zac Efron. I think that would have been perfect, but, you know, <laughs> it can be another person. That's fine. That'd have been pretty meta, too, right? Wouldn't it? Because Finnick was like a star in his di- district or something like yeah. that, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah. I, don't, I didn't know him from Hunger Games or anything, and that's another 
story thread that I felt was unserviced, like, could have just been eliminated, to be quite honest. Like, it's cool that he sort of went undercover as the bowman, and so we had the huntsman and the bowman and everything. Yep. But, like, the idea that he kissed, kisses her when she's dead and that doesn't wake her up, like, I don't even think we needed that in here. And I didn't even understand why Chris Hemsworth woke her up. So I was all confused about that. I think whatever we were saying earlier, where the more distance from the iconography we can get, maybe the better off we are. Like, why not try it without the apple? It's not like Batman without the cowl or something. You know, it's not, I don't feel like it's that drastic, but it's worth a shot. Yeah, it would be like the, it would be like Batman where his parents didn't die in a mugging. Yeah, they died some other way. It could work. (laughs) Yeah, there are some parts where I think are are just a little bit pay out. Like, there's a whole sequence where they're on the water and they meet these ladies who have scarred themselves, but it, it really kind of amounts to nothing. Yeah, this movie's really long. Consider like relatively like two hours and eleven minutes the the extended cut, and I feel like just like not a lot happens. Like there is extended scenes where I'm just like, oh, this is still happening. Okay, like they're just mm-hmm. like dancing on a fire. It's like well, okay, there's sort of a lot of I don't say well kind of similar scenes because like every time we cut back to Charlize, she's sort of like screaming and like sucking the life force out of like a person and like you know taking a life force bath and like doing yep. all you know the stuff to stay young and she's switching back and forth, but we get that scene a few times and then we get Kristen Stewart and the Huntsman being chased for a while yep. and then a couple of scenes of them being safe for a while and then they're being chased again so like it feels a little redundant throughout yeah I would have definitely loved to have stayed with those women that scarred them so like that's a really interesting sort of idea that really goes nowhere and that's unfortunate because like we, she could have stayed there for like a half hour and like tried to plan something with them or instead the Huntsman just sort of takes off and comes back rescues her or like not even rescues her she's like rescuing them and the huntsman's like just come this way with me they'll be fine so it was a little it was a little wasted something i, I w- was reading earlier is that i guess the uh, queen's powers in this movie are, are actually based on some kind of a hungarian legend about this uh, noble woman who uh, had like hundreds of young women uh, murdered in like the uh, 16th 17th century and and like would like bathe in their blood to uh, try to keep herself young or something Ursabet or Elizabeth Bathory, a 17th century Hungarian potentate, whatever that is, potentate, which who allegedly consumed and bathed in the blood of murdered young girls in an attempt Ooh. to rejuvenate herself. It, it kind of makes me think of the witch, the Vivich, except, you know, that was, they take the babies, but it'd be kind of just like, that's the same, it just feels very witchy. I like that about it, I guess, is that it's based in a bit of reality somehow. Yeah, I wish this was darker. Like, I know that you can't really have an R-rated Snow White. I mean, I guess you could, but you probably wouldn't. But I wish that this was, like, creepier and weirder and darker. They're really close. Like, I really feel like that Haunted Wood scene is awesome. Like, that's a crazy cool idea, and they spend a lot of time there, and I really feel like it goes really far, you know? I, I was almost like, wow, this minus the tree actually, like, grabbing her is, like, close to, like, an Evil Dead sort of vibe going on you know especially part two where they added like a bit more levity to the story and everything yeah i mean this is the way this it kind of feels like maybe there is an r-rated cut somewhere and they had to like 
pull it back because they sort of like went too far because they were all wrapped up in it because yeah it does this is the aesthetic you know what i'm saying like they got that right about it to go even further so this movie did get nominated for uh, best visual effects oh i didn't even look at that that's cool yeah it, it got nominated for that and it got nominated for best costume design well i think it earned both of those because like charlie's like transformations is great charlie's like slowly ascending out of the milk bath is great like there's a lot of like visual stuff in here that's like really cool the the spirit of the woods is beautiful like all those crazy like snakes with grass on their heads like the, the grassy turtle like there's a lot of stuff that's cool in here i just feel yeah. like you know like mike and i have been saying like it, it sort of toes that line between like hey let's try to make a lot of money with a pg-13 movie like let's try to get real weird with it i like it more than the ones uh, the other ones i've seen recently like this one i actually like you know sat down and and rented whenever it came out on yeah. demand and stuff and like the other ones like maleficent and stuff like i've seen them on tv and everything but they don't captivate me enough to like want to restart it and watch it from the beginning or anything else and like at least this one like kept me kept my attention and when I knew I had to rewatch it I wasn't bummed out or anything I was like actually kind of looking forward to it and I think parts of it is the amazing production design the effects like there's two particular moments about the effects I just want to mention and one is when she goes in deeper into the forest and everything's like real magical and those two birds land that have sort of been guiding her and like those elves come out of the or like whatever they like come out of the breasts of the birds or something like that freaked me out like i thought i was tripping at that point (laughs) like that was really crazy and then um the mirror you know i know it's kind of a t-1000 thing happening or whatever but it's still one of the coolest effects like yeah ever since then like Mm -hmm. it's still so awesome it's just like simplicity at its best and, and a good way to go for the mirror, too. Like, the idea that it forms into, like, an actual figure and talks to her, and she sees her own reflection in it. Like, everything about that mirror was was pretty cool. I didn't know, like, I guess, like, that's the whole thing, like, mirror, mirror on the wall, whatever. And then, like, when the when the gold started, like, dripping from it, I was like, oh, this is not what I was expecting. Like, I was expecting, like, a, a shadowy figure or something to come out, or I don't know what, but, like, what it actually happened, sort of, it kind of looks like, you know, we were talking earlier about Batman, it kind of looks like Batman in his cowl a little bit well yeah i didn't even put that together or even go further it's almost like a yeah like a death figure kind of thing like gold grim reaper or something but apparently that's based on an actual artist's work like there was a real statue of that somewhere or something i was trying to look it up online but i couldn't find the actual link that i found like a while back but he's got a bunch of other crazy sculptures too and stuff yeah so that comes from the actual world out there someone actually i think made that and then it was incorporated into the production design of this movie so i just looked up the uh, academy awards that it was nominated for like jeremy said the costume design lost to anna karenina but the more interesting one at least as far as we're concerned mike is best achievement in visual effects it lost it also lost alongside prometheus so that was cool oh. that, that got nominated but they both lost to life of pi which of course like there's no way oh, that you're gonna yeah, make a movie yeah. like life of pi and not win that award you know what i mean totally it was like filmed in a puddle and it looks incredible <laughs> yeah let me ask you this have you guys ever seen uh, snow white a, a tale of terror no. no what is that that's one that came out back in 1997 uh tv movie but it, it was very dark and it actually starred uh, Sigourney Weaver, and uh, that got an R rating, actually. No kidding. Yeah. Now, I I don't think it was, like, one of those, like, big 
commercial uh, movies. But I have seen it. It is a movie that kind of like pushes the envelope much, much more. In this dark take on the fairy tale, the growing hatred of a noblewoman for her stepdaughter and the witch's horrifying attempts to kill her. It's rated R, 1997. Sigourney Weaver, Sam Neill, Gil Bellows, directed by Michael Kahn, Cohn, who also directed nothing else I've ever heard of. So, but yeah, there is, I guess there is a gritty, a gritty R-rated Snow White out there, so there we go. I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd check that out even if, if Sigourney Weaver, that's it, that sounds interesting. Yeah. I recently came across on YouTube, because my friend got a job as a tour guide at Sleepy Hollow, so we were like checking stuff out online and everything. There's a Jeff Goldblum Legend of Sleepy Hollow movie on, it was on TV like in the 80s, and he plays Ichabod Crane. Huh. So we, we didn't really make through make it through a lot of it, but he is great as Ichabod <laughs> well, obviously. Let me see if there's anything else. I feel like like I took a bunch of notes. Oh, one thing, when the brother first shows up, I like looked real quick and I thought the brother was played by Fred Armisen. And I was like, <laughs> oh my god, like a world where her brother is just like... But Fred Armisen as like the Venezuelan ambassador in Parks and Rec, or like just right. any Fred Armisen character, just like that like very like strange timid character like i would love that that would make me super super happy i definitely believe a king would see charlize and be like yeah we're getting married tomorrow i need to lock this shit down (laughs) that is the most believable part of this movie i probably would (laughs) the freak out that i loved that i'm going to nominate later when we get to it is when snow white gets away when she escapes from the cell and she's like you swore that you would protect me where is she i need her heart and it's like whoa like she is leaning into it and is going for it and it is great she fought you off with a nail (laughs) (laughs) she's got i mean her delivery is awesome in this like early on when she's killing the king and she's telling him like men ruined me men ruin women they just use us and spit it i was like holy shit like you go like i'm on her side i'm like take over this kingdom like rule it <laughs> however like ultimately snow white's better so like she's just and everything and yeah she's i guess Kristen Stewart doesn't come back, so I don't know what happens down the line, but it is very interesting that Snow White, like, is just standing there alone by herself as queen at the end of this without, like, getting married and stuff. Yeah. I, I did like that. I mean, I'm just excited that we get another movie, at least part of it, with Charlize as this character, because I want more of this character. Like, I, I, I'm, I'd be interested in what Snow White does as queen, but, like, I really want to see more of this Charlize as queen. It's a movie that actually, it, it like, darts before the events of this okay. movie and, and and then it like jumps ahead in time. They show Snow White briefly, but it's obviously a, a body double. Okay. And, and, oh, okay. And, and the movie's not really uh, about her at all. It's all about the uh, uh, huntsman and uh, a, a sister of the queen who's played by Emily Blunt. You'll uh, find out all, oh, cool. all, all, all about that. Very later. cool. And then the only other thing that I want to make sure we talk about is Charlize's death in this where oh, Snow White yeah. finally gets to the castle at the end, and it's her, it's one-on-one, and Charlize just absolutely, completely overpowering her in just about every way, and then maybe gets a little too cocky, maybe gets a little bit too close, and then as the story goes, apparently, Snow White, the fairest of heart, the purest of heart, is the only one who could take down the queen, and she stabs Charlize, and Charlize dies right there, <laughs> and it's a pretty cool death. There's two things I like a lot about this. One is I always love when it comes down to sort of like a really close knife fight like this like i feel like i see it a lot in good action movies where like the bad guy or the good guy is like holding the guy's wrist when the knife is right from his face and then he like 
pulls out his own knife and gets him in the gut and he didn't see it coming and they do that here and it worked really well I totally uh, forgot it and it and it, and it, uh, it got me the other thing I like is how they <laughs> keep making this whole thing about how Kristen Stewart or how Snow White is like the fairest of them all and like she's pure of heart and all this stuff she still has to murk a, a bitch you know like she still has to kill the queen right like <laughs> she can't like there's no other way to do it which is whatever but it's just funny how like she can still be a murderer and be pure of heart that's a fairy tale for you though i think that's great though she killed the right person for the right reasons and everything and the greater good <laughs> the greater good yeah i love how during the sequence uh, charlize is like uh, standing uh, over fire as as she's uh, going into her uh a spiel towards her. Yeah, she's like photographed around fire a lot. She's got like the fire pit in the center of her chamber and stuff. So nice sort of satanic imagery going on with her just in case you're too like entranced by her beauty. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> you want to just do whatever she tells you to, but then it's like, oh, right, like she's evil. I forgot. She's like killing, she's literally like poisoning the earth and the ground and the soil because she's breathing. <laughs> Yeah, I I wish I had found her scarier, but uh, she still has a lot of moments where she, like, uh, sends a chill down your spine. I don't know if she's going for scary or just, like, campy. Like, I'm okay either way, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I also think just, like, intimidating is a thing, too. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, and because when she brings that one maiden in, the maiden doesn't necessarily... She's scared, but she doesn't think, like, the queen's going to do anything to her. So there's almost like that, I'm not going to hurt you, kind of, like, look at me. How could I possibly hurt anybody? And then, Like, before you know it, like, she pounces on you and she's sucking your life force out of your face and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Any other thoughts about Snow White and the Huntsman before we move on to our other segments? I'm good. None that I can think of right now. So, uh, first up, we have the game. So, the game Unfortunate Improv. I remember the name this time. <laughs> we are, just like you were on last time, Jeremy, we are going to see if we can put this Charlize Theron character, or if not this character, if not Queen Ravenna, than just Charlize in general, into the big movie release of the weekend, which this weekend, I'll give you a couple different choices. We've got Christopher Robin, which is the story of Winnie the Pooh, I guess. Uh, A working-class family man, Christopher Robin, encounters his childhood friend, Winnie the Pooh, who helps him to rediscover the joys of life. So there's number one. Number two, we'll also do... I'll give four choices because I don't don't know. I just don't know. Number two, The Darkest (laughs) Minds, which Mike was saying is like a sort of a a YA novel, maybe. Imprisoned by an adult world that now fears everyone under 18, a group of teens form a resistance group to fight back and reclaim control of their future. Whoever wrote that review or wrote that summary (laughs) used the word group twice in the sentence, so no. Mm -hmm. Also out this weekend is The Spy Who Dumped Me. The Mila Kunis, Kate McKinnon team up, which, oh, also featuring uh, Justin Theroux, so I am definitely going to see this movie. Audrey and Morgan are best friends who unwittingly become entangled in an international conspiracy when one of the women destroys the boyfriend who dumped her was actually a spy. And then the last one that I will suggest, the last one we can sort of work our way in, is Searching, starring John Cho, after his 16-year-old daughter goes missing, a desperate father breaks into her laptop to look for clues to find her. So, Mike, just a couple weeks ago, we did the uh, put her in the Unfriended 2, where a laptop played very prominent roles. But I will let you guys go first. Christopher Robin, The Darkest Minds, The Spy Who Dumped Me, or Searching. Jeremy, if you have to take one of these movies and put Charlize Theron, either Queen Ravenna or just the actress, 
Which would you pick, and how would you do it? Well, I feel like it would be really hard to, to pick uh, Queen Ravenna to put into any of these movies because they're <laughs> they're in such totally different uh, realms of reality. Yes, absolutely. From what I can think of right now, I would maybe put Charlize in uh, The uh, Spy Who Dumped Me. Okay. Maybe have her be the uh, lady who uh, the spy dumps her for. Oh, okay. So she's sort of like a villain, like an unknowing villain, but that's still a villain nonetheless. Yeah. I like that. That's pretty cool. That's a good one, yeah. I like that. Mike, do you have any ideas? Because I have one if you if you need a little bit of time to think about it. I've got one I think I'm going to go with. Go I'm going to go with the Christopher Robin movie. Okay. From what I understand, I've just seen the poster and what you read up. In the story of Winnie the Pooh, like, he's, a mad, he's like fictional, too. Like, he walks around the the hundred acre woods and talks to the animals and stuff so what i'm thinking is like he grew up and moved to the city and then like so winnie the pooh and tigger and piglet and rabbit and eeyore they all have to come find him not eeyore and i'll tell you why they all come find him because the evil queen has landed in the hundred acre woods okay (laughs) all right and set up shop and eeyore has been trapped in the dungeon like he just wandered in there and never found his way out so they need christopher robin's like imagination to help them take back the woods from the evil queen so similarly i'm also going to take queen ravenna and put her in a movie i'm gonna put her in the darkest minds and so what's going to happen is there's an alternate reality where she kills snow white okay and then that's not enough and she's like we need to kill all the young people so that no one can usurp my beauty. Because she knows that all the people over 18, she's more beautiful than. So then she then goes and she's like, she basically instills this fear of the world into everybody, that everybody should be afraid of people under 18. And so (laughs) they form, she's out there killing people, and then there's the rebellion, basically the new snow, the snow's white, the new snow's white, that they try to raise (laughs) up to to, to fight her. The snow whitest? Yeah. (laughs) Nice. That was a successful round, guys. (laughs) Yeah, I wish I had thought of something like that. I want to see all three of these movies anyway, though, because I, I want to. <laughs> so I, I think I agree, Mike. That's a very successful round. One of our best yet. I, I know before we start recording, I was like, this is going to be weird. It's, I'm going to be nervous. I don't know what these movies are about. I don't know if it's going to work well, but I think it worked actually pretty well. Okay, our next segment is the mailbag segment. No email today, but if you want to send an email to watch at cageclub.me, let us know what you think of the movies, of the podcast. We are sort of wrapping up, just like Cage and Keanu. Yeah, just like Cage and Keanu, though, when this concludes, this will come back every once in a while whenever Charlize has a new movie out. Like this year, in real life, she had Gringo and Tully come out, and I think Flarsky is either maybe later this year What's, early next what's year. it called? Flarsky? <laughs> really? That title got approved? F-L-A-R-S-K-Y. What it's could that be about? A political oh. journalist tries to hook up with his old babysitter who now holds an important government position. It oh. is Alexander Skarsgård, Charlie oh. Theron, Andy Serkis, Seth Rogen, Randall Park, oh, what June the? Diane Raphael. Oh, one of these. <laughs> yes. Okay. Very... Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I think it's coming out in yeah. February, so that'll be maybe our oh. next, of, or the first of phase two of Watch the Throne. So no email today, but... But, you know, we'll always be checking the email. Email us, watch at cageclub.me. Just say hi. Okay, so here's the important thing. The awards segment here on Watch the Throne. I don't think this is best fun, worst fun. It's not best of the worst, but we also call it most fun, in parentheses, bad film. 
Do you think this, mm. Mike, do you think this fits in with, like, Eon Flux and Astronaut's Wife and Children of the Corn and Sweet November, no. or no? No, no, no. Like, I actually think this is a fine film. Like, I, I don't want to say, you know, it's not great, but it's a good movie. Like, I think it, it definitely stands on its own. I don't feel like it's bad. Like, I don't feel like this is a bad movie. No, like, it's not, it, no. But I think... Yeah, yeah. I was just trying so, to see if, like, in that like in that realm, that world of those kind mm-hmm. of movies, if it fit in there. But if no, you don't want to know, that's totally fine. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think it's just a step above that it's you know it's like, yeah <laughs> it's on the 12th step so we're good <laughs> i am gonna nominate it for both best charlie's role and most badass role mm-hmm. now here's a category I'm, I'm sort of unsure on because we were doing this more metaphorically although it could also be physically best character transformation we have from desperate to empowered in young adult we have from pure to dead inside in the devil's advocate and we have from victim <laughs> to alien in the astronaut's wife do we want to nominate this for like mm. young to old to young again to old again to dead or like from human to a murder of crows back to like a puddle of slash human crows i'm just i'm just gonna say various <laughs> literal transformations <laughs> yeah i guess yeah that's good you know i actually felt for the that's the thing like i actually felt for the queen because i felt like you know she was wrong definitely it's just that she took it she took it way too far. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe just stop at like the third kingdom and like call it a, a, a life. But like she would not until like everything was just scorched. You're still um, uh, left with the impact that this is a curse. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, true, true. I'm also nominated for best Charlie's outfit slash wardrobe. Certainly. Certainly. Mm-hmm. Best death. So stabbed by Snow White. Oh, so something about the death. Like I definitely thought she was gonna get eaten by the mirror. Like I thought it was oh, gonna sort of cool. like cover her <laughs> and stuff. But and it's still cool. Like she gets really. She turns like it's almost like the Last Crusade. Like she gets super old until she dies, and like she just keeps getting old and old and old and old and old. What if the mirror ate her and was like, "I'm the fairest now." Would <laughs> <laughs> have been hilarious. And then Snow White's just like, "Whatever, I'm out of here." Are there? Any non Charlize deaths in this movie that are of note that we want to nominate for best non Charlize death? Nothing I want to nominate, but when the when the one dwarf died, like that was I felt that for them. Like they actually, that was one of the few times they actually showed like the arrow go through both sides. Like the, you could see the arrow in his back, and then he rolled over, and you see a bit of the arrow coming through his chest and stuff. So we don't need to nominate it, but. Yeah, they took some time there with that death. There was that one kid who was captured with his father, and, and he tried to, to uh, stab uh, stab the queen, but then she just uh, stabs him instead. Oh, yeah, yeah. Does So Snow White doesn't actually die, though, right? Like, it's that is all just a curse, too. Or do no, they... I think it's like a coma. I think it's sort of Sleeping okay. Beauty-ish, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, I'm never. it's never crystal clear in this, because I feel like she should never have fallen asleep in this one or anything. But... Yeah, yeah, it was okay. only a few minutes, and... and... And then okay, we're we're back to where we were. Do we want to? I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in there. It's, it's not super long, but I think it's just like important. I'm gonna do Snow White versus Queen Ravenna in best fight. Okay. We can we can always consolidate this at the end because we're gonna have the 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 award show. I do like it though. I like it. I'm just trying to think if there was any other fights in this movie that really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, no. there's the storming of the castle, but I think just like in terms of significance to the film, it's it's a big one. Yeah, definitely. Best line, I'm not sure if I'm going to nominate one, but best freak out for sure. I'm going to nominate that one that I mentioned before. Yeah, I want her heart. Right there with you. Do we want to nominate, I don't think so, best cinematography? I don't think it's that so much as it's just the production design. You know, I think it's like you point a camera anywhere, you're going to strike gold. 
Um, I wish it was cut a little cleaner. Like, I wish I had a little more time to look at a couple of the shots. I feel like it's weird. Like, it is a long movie, but it feels like it cuts a lot. So I, I think that's a different thing. I don't know if we have a production design category. I don't think we do. We don't. And I think and if, that's we, fine. if we did, we might, you know, cut that. Because we still have so many awards, and we gotta, we got to trim this right. back a little bit. I am going to nominate, which I did not mention yet, but the closing credits song, Breath of Life by Florence the Machine, uh, a band that I love, I'm going to nominate that just because it's not important to the movie, but it's just a cool song that comes out of the credits that I knew and liked before this movie, so or before I'd seen this movie, so I'm going to nominate that there. Best or worst non-Charlie's actors? I'll, I'll say Kristen Stewart for Snow White, or no. Yeah. Okay. I was actually quite surprised how well she's able to hold her own with all of this sort of big budget spectacle going on like i'm i mean i'm not saying like she should have been katniss or anything like that but i was thinking like give her a franchise that's bigger than twilight like maybe that's why because i've seen parts of the other twilights maybe that's why they put like big battle sequences in some of them you know (laughs) because they realized like she could hold her own in those types of situations on screen and stuff because i just got a real kick out of that just thinking you know she could do stuff like Tomb Raider is yeah. what I think. Like I don't think she wants to do that, but I would buy her. And I'm also it. not sure that America wants her as that. No, no, but no. you know, I feel like she could do it though, regardless. Yeah. <laughs> she could pull it off. <laughs> you were mentioning this the cinematography. Just want to point out that the uh cinematographer is uh, Greg Fraser. Get a at uh, his uh resume. Let me in. Zero Dark Thirty, Foxcatcher Rogue One and Lion. Whoa, okay. Okay, so he is a good, he can shoot a good movie. Yeah. He can make a movie look great. Absolutely. Anything else that we should nominate awards for? Like anything anything else that's award worthy in this? Or are we good? Because I went through all the awards that we already have, the existing ones. I think we're in a pretty good place. But uh, before we wrap up, anything else that you want to, you think we should nominate uh, Snow White and the Huntsman for? I think I'm good. I think, yeah. I think I'm good. I have this down right now for nine awards. Actually, seems like a lot. Best Charlie's Roll, Most Badass Roll, Best Character Transformation, Best Outfit Slash Wardrobe, Best Death, Best Fight, Best Freak Out, Best Song, <laughs> and Best Female Non-Charlie's wow. Actress Slash Role. So. It turned out to be quite a Charlie's movie. Yeah. Like, it had a lot of what we like about her in it, um, even if the rest of it wasn't quite you know, what we usually go for. Which is strange considering that there are large portions of the movie in which she's not even on screen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But every time she wasn't on screen, I was like, please, let's go back to Charlize. Like, I just want to see what she's like. Even if she's just like sitting in the castle, like just waiting, like, oh, let's just see that. Yeah. I'm glad she got out of that castle and had the one scene, you know, after all, like, even though it was the apple scene, like, yeah. I was just glad to see her out of the castle for one scene. <laughs> oh, I also have this as, like, my 12th best Charlize movie on Letterboxd out of, like, the 35 or we've done. Like, it's not, it's not, I don't think it's great, but I think in terms of, like, what we're looking for for a Charlize movie, it's right in that same wheelhouse as, like, Prometheus from last week and also, like, Hancock, and it's, like, yeah. you know, it's in that sort of, that sort of, like, not a great movie, but can be fun movie, has fun parts in it, and she's good in it, so... I think that's sort of the right place for that. We were talking about earlier that we might do a special part of an episode or a full episode toward the end of the run with uh, the rundown of our lists from worst to best Charlie's movie and see where that winds up. So this, it's toward the top. I mean, it's not in the top 10, but it's it's a, it's a fun one, especially if you love Charlie's. It's cool. It's fun. You know, it's not that deep and it's an interesting take on Snow White. Yeah, it's fun. It's harmless, and uh, Charlie's really soaks up the role. There's a, a lot of things to enjoy in it. Yeah. For a, a point of reference, uh, where is the uh, Burning Plane on your uh, oh, list right now? Oh, that's a good question. Let me see here. Burning Plane is lower. 
I have Burning Plane 15, so close. Okay. Uh, still in the top half. Uh, I have between this and that, I have Snow White at 12, Hancock at 13, Bagger Vance at 14, Burning Plane at 15. Because I just felt like there was a lot of Burning Plane that wasn't her. That's her character, but it's so much Jennifer Lawrence. You know what I mean? Yeah. This list has yeah. a weird alcohol. Like I, I re-juggled <laughs> things because for a while I had Devil's Advocate and Nothing You Do as one and two because I really like both those movies, but like she's barely in That Thing You Do and she doesn't have a big part to play in Devil's Advocate. They're now down to six and seven, but... Like, Young Adult is number one with a bullet right now. And number two, you know, Mike's Apology Tour keeps on trucking. Number two, Waking Up in Reno. One of my favorite <laughs> Charlize Theron movies. I still think it's one of her best performances to date. It keeps creeping up my list the more I think about it. My list's very skewed as well because I just love Mighty Joe Young. I know. Like, so that's, like, in my top five, and it's not moving. Yeah, I have that <laughs> at 16, and I feel like that's still probably too high, but, you know. Also in my top ten, Children of the Corn I know. I looked at your list a while ago, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> but, and like like I say on the other shows, you know, things are always in flux until the end of the phase. Yep. So, by, yeah. you know, until, until we're done with the first run, you know, things are going to shift. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jeremy, thank you for being here on two of the better Charlize movies. We're very excited yeah. to have you here. Uh, we have not made public our plans for our next podcast. Perhaps our final new podcast that Mike and I do. We'll just continue Cinemakers and stuff. Uh, we'd love to have you back for that. We'll tell you a little bit more about that after we're done here. But thank you for joining us for two pretty good Charlize movies. Glad to be here, boys. So for all things Watch the Throne, you can go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Go to cageclub.me slash newsletter. Sign up for our new monthly newsletter. It'll be sent out on the first of the month, every month. No more than that. Not going to spam you. Just the best of the best of what cageclub.me has to offer. Go check that out. And also, email us, watch at cageclub.me. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Hans. And that was Jeremy Kelly. And we'll see you next time on Watch the Thoreau. I was looking for a breath of life, a little touch of heavenly light. But all the choirs in my head say no To get a dream of life again A little vision of the sun in the air But all the choirs in my head say no